Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome indeed to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. I'm Josh Raymond. Hey, before we get into the show itself, um, I, I want to make mention, if you have not heard us talking about this this week, we have a special drawing uh, that you can register for, a chance to win a Relevant Radio nativity set. It, it's actually not a Relevant Radio nativity set. It's just being given away by us here at Relevant Radio. Um, we've done this for, I think, this is the third year. I'm pretty sure it's the third year we've been able to do this. And it's not just one person that's going to be able to win. It's 200 of these nativity sets that we're going to be given away. And we're doing it now. I know it seems really early, but we want to make sure that the nativity can, the, the set can be shipped to you in plenty of time so that you have it for the beginning of Advent and you're able to put it outside your home. And that's the thing. It's it's a really nice big nativity set that you can place outside on your yard or on your porch or wherever it is that you want to place that. And our hope is that you can just let your neighborhood, your neighbors know the real reason for Christmas, of course, that, that it's all centered around Christ, you know? No, nothing wrong with all the gift giving and, and you know, the, the guy in the red hat and all of that. But, uh, you know, let's keep the focus really where it starts, and that's on Jesus. So to enter to win your own Relevant Radio nativity set, again, just given away by Relevant Radio. It doesn't say Relevant Radio on it. You can go to our website, relevantradio.com slash set, relevantradio.com slash set, and you can register there, and uh, maybe you'll be one of those 200 blessed and fortunate winners. So do you remember the first time that you ever flew on a plane? How old were you? And when you got on that first flight, were you scared or were you excited? I was definitely excited, and I don't recall the exact age I was when I first flew on a plane. Old enough to remember, but definitely in that single-digit age realm, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, something like that. And being that young, I didn't have any real fear of death. I didn't have that awareness of my own mortality, not like you do when you're an adult, you know, where you start realizing, oh, (laughs) life is pretty fragile and you have to be careful. So, On that plane, I'm sure I was probably just enthusiastically bouncing in my seat there on the plane as we taxied out toward the runway. The the seatbelt probably was the only thing really keeping me relatively in one place. Now, even though I don't recall how old I was, I very clearly remember the feeling, the, the sensation of the takeoff. Being at a standstill at first... And then that fast acceleration on the runway until the plane started to lift off the ground. And then there's that feeling of being pushed back in my seat by the force of flying upwards. 
And then looking out the window at all the houses and buildings, the streets, the vehicles, all of them growing smaller and smaller, the higher and higher that we flew. And I still find air travel amazing that we can get to locations across the continent or even across the ocean in a matter of hours. You know, we're in this metal tube with wings that allows us to soar up above everything, that we can travel at speeds that people never would have imagined possible just a couple hundred years ago. Take traveling from New York to Los Angeles. You can get a nonstop flight that takes about six hours. Six hours. You could eat lunch, get on a plane, take that flight across the entire North American continent, and still be looking at the other coastline while eating a late dinner. That's incredible. Six hours. But if you didn't have any help from any kind of plane or other sort of vehicle... If you were left to your own power, walking, running, how long would it take you to make that same trip? If you were walking at an average speed of three miles per hour, walking seven hours a day, it would take almost four months for you to make that same trip between New York and Los Angeles. And of course, then it becomes impractical. You know, that's why prior to the Transcontinental Railroad, very few people ever made that journey. And if they did make that trip, they planned to stay in the destination city for a long time, might be the rest of their life. It wasn't for some sort of brief visit. It wasn't possible to take a vacation for a week in Los Angeles and then be back to work the following week on the East Coast. To make that kind of travel possible, You need something vastly beyond yourself to carry you at the necessary speeds and the necessary altitudes. Well, traveling like this, you know, I'm talking about, it deals with our physical reality, but there are aspects of our spiritual reality where things can be somewhat similar. Areas where we can only do so much on our own. There are limits for us. Those are the areas where we need supernatural assistance. We need help outside of ourselves. We have to turn to God. One of those spiritual areas where we need that help is in looking at what we call the theological virtues. These are the virtues of faith, hope, and love. And we have to rely on God to receive and to grow in these virtues. But we also need these virtues to live a life as a Christian. So today on The Inner Life, we're going to spend the hour looking at these virtues of faith, hope, and love. We want to understand them better, of course, but we also want to talk about how God gives us the gift of these three virtues so that we don't have to wait for what happens after this life when we enter into heaven, hopefully. These virtues, they allow us to start living the life of heaven here and now, to encounter God here and now. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour as we look at the virtues of faith, hope, and love, Father Michael Hurley is back with us again. He is a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. Father Michael, welcome back to The Inner Life. Delighted once again to be back with you. It seems seems so soon, and I'm so excited. (laughs) Yes, well, uh, so do you remember the first time you ever flew on a plane? I do. I, I don't know if I should share the share the story because it's I don't know my parents think, but the uh, I remember I went down to Los Angeles. I think we're going to um, 
uh, Southern California area. I'm from Northern California. And we took it. It's like a 45-minute flight. And this is way before 9-11 or anything, any kind of the restrictions you have now. But I remember being so excited. I wanted to dress like a cowboy. And I brought, <laughs> I, I was I was outfitted with a, with a six-shooter on my, a play, <laughs> six-shooter on my side. And I got all the way up to the plane. But they, since it wasn't made of plastic, it was made of metal. I had to uh, holster my, uh, <laughs> my six-shooter in the, <laughs> In the, in the luggage, and I couldn't carry it on with me. Oh, yeah, that is, uh, you know, it's such a different world that we live yeah. in, you know, because, I mean, even carrying, like, a pocket knife with you or, you know, yeah. things like that never was a thought before September 11th, so, no, yeah. absolutely not. It really has changed. But, um, so, talking about the theological virtues here, Father, uh, yeah. first of all, let's just start at basics. When we say the word virtue, what is a virtue? Yeah, virtue it comes from the, the word for strength or power in Latin, um, vir, virtus, uh, and it just means any kind of good habit, any kind of uh, quality of our, our soul, uh, our spirit, and, which helps us to act towards goodness or towards happiness. So it's basically a consistent way of acting towards human excellence or uh, uh, some kind of human perfection or goodness. And so there are certain virtues that we look at. Um, there are the cardinal virtues. There, there are ones that we are able to grow in just by our own discipline by practicing those. But as I mentioned, the theological virtues, these are given as gifts to us from God. And so can you kind of explain why these these three virtues, they're so necessary that we receive them from God? They're not something we can kind of foster in ourselves on our own. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question because we often think of virtue as simply being uh, the manifestation or the, the living of something that's uh, particularly in our control, right? If if you're like an athlete, we'll have the virtue, you know, of, of being able to excel in whatever kind of uh, physical enterprise that they're in. Or if someone is has, you know, a certain intellectual acumen, he has kind of the virtue of study or the, the virtue of being able to figure out and discover whatever uh, academic discipline he's in. And so we think that when it comes to our spiritual life, there are certain ways in which we can discover God, know about God, connect with God, but they be rooted in, and sourced in our own strength. Uh, but he, and here's where the theological virtues are a little different. They are nothing less than a share and a participation in heaven. That is in the presence of God. I, I love how you said it. You said it so well that we often think of, you know, our life on earth as being kind of like our earthly existence. And then when we get to heaven, we'll have a different kind of existence. But the theological virtues are a bridge to heaven. They are a way of experiencing eternal life even here before we get to the afterlife. And so they can't, they don't come from us. They come from God and they're necessary because we need to have, if you will, the foretaste or the uh, the principles of heaven within us in order to go there. So by simply being baptized as a Catholic, yes. as a Christian, do then I already have, has God already given me some portion of these three virtues of faith, hope, and love? Absolutely. You can think about it in terms of like building a building here. I'm looking out of my office window. We've got buildings all around. And the, if you will, baptism gives us and, and those, if you will, the sacraments of baptism and confirmation, those, those uh, sacraments of initiation, give us, if you will, the foundation that we need, something that God can build upon. So if you're baptized as an infant, you are infused with the virtues of faith, hope, 
and charity, and yet, just like the building, there needs to be, if you will, cooperation with those virtues. So as we grow and as we develop and mature and in our spiritual life, the Lord, if you will, builds the house, constructs the house upon that, our, our spiritual life. So this, the, 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 you might see baptism in those introductory sacraments as the kind of foundation upon which then our life in cooperation with the presence of God in our lives enables us to build that house, which is nothing less than that place the Lord has prepared for us. Talking with Father Michael Hurley today, he's a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco, talking about the virtues of faith, hope, and love, the theological virtues. And how have you experienced those in your life, especially that gift aspect that this is something that I received beyond myself. How have you been able to live out one of those, or maybe all three of those virtues in your life? Or maybe you just simply have a question about one of these virtues, about living out faith, about living out hope, about how you express love the way that God calls us to. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Michael at 888-914-9149, So, Father... Um, Let's look at each of these individually here, and uh, we can just start in order. Faith itself, um, you know, what? How how should we understand this virtue of faith? Yeah, no. In fact, let me just—I'll just take it kind of broadly with them all, and then kind of sure. come back. But the, the the idea of any theological virtue is is a participation or it's a share in some aspect of who God is. So for faith. Faith is a sharing in God's own self-knowledge. It's a sharing in God's knowledge of himself. Hope is a share in the goodness of God as our final end. That is the goodness to which our heart desires. Our whole life is directed towards like gravity. Even if we don't particularly know it, that's where that's the fulfillment of all desire. That's what, what hope is, a sharing in the desire of God is good. And finally, charity is a share in the very life of God. That is God who is nothing else for other than self-gift. It's a participation. It's a share in God's own self-gift or gift of self to if you will, all of his creation. And so go back to faith. Faith is a sharing in God's own knowledge and self-knowledge. And it enables us, as it says in Hebrews, um, to have, if you will, the substance of things uh, hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in other words, faith enables us to discern or to to know a reality that goes beyond the material world, something that's not, in a sense, immediately evident to our five senses, but then through, if you will, uh, this gift that we've been given, it gives us access into a kind of a new horizon or a new dimension of reality, and that is the presence of a loving God in our lives. And I can say more about there's different there's three different stages that the scripture gives us, but that's kind of just the, the overall uh, kind of a faith. Sure. Well, what? Yeah. Go ahead. What are those three okay. different stages? Yeah. So I like to say there's three levels of faith. There's the there's the the ground. So you imagine once again I go back to the building. It's like you come in, you're on the ground floor. The ground floor of faith, as uh, this is Thomas Aquinas here, is belief or uh, credere that God exists. Simply that there is a one Creator God that created all things, as the Baltimore Catechism says, and keeps them in existence. 
just that that God is. And when we think of faith, we normally think of, of this as being, you know, a difference between someone who believes and someone who doesn't believe, someone who is a, um, a theist versus an atheist, someone who doesn't believe in God. So the ground floor, if you will, the basic aspect of faith is just believe that there is a supreme creator. Um, but it's interesting to note that this ground floor, if you will, is uh, not what the scripture often talks about as faith. It very rarely does. And actually when it does, it refers to or compares it uh, to the kind of belief that even the demons have. <laughs> so so G, the first people to recognize that Jesus is Lord and say that you are the son of God in the Bible are not necessarily those who are following Jesus, but it's when he's casting out demons. And, mm-hmm. and he says, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. So the, the demons know that God exists. They believe <laughs> that God exists. And in fact, uh, St. James says, uh, or say, says that... Um, he says, you know, do you believe that, um, uh, that, that God exists? He goes, well, <laughs> so does the devil. <laughs> and it doesn't really, it does, it's not saving for him. So he talks about saving faith, right? right? And so that first floor of faith, simply that we believe God exists, which we normally take as faith, is uh, necessary, but not sufficient for the fullness of faith. It's just the ground floor. So we have got to go to the second floor. The second floor of faith is not just believing that God exists. Certainly we need that, but it's not sufficient. Even the devil believes that. We've got to walk up the staircase, if you will, to the second floor. And that middle floor has to do with trusting in God. That is to believe God to believe God's word and to believe that God has the authority, in other words, knows where we need to be for our own happiness. And I would say the preeminent scriptural example, and this is the kind of the heartbeat of all scripture in terms of faith, is Abraham, where God tells Abraham at the young old age of 80 years old, go west, young man, right? He tells him to go and to seek out a place of promise that he will give him. And so Abraham goes. And as as St. Paul says, he believes and it was counted to him as righteousness. In other words, he trusts, we usually use the word trust in this regard, that that he trusts that God's word uh, was going to be effective and it'd be true to his promises. And so scripture fills us with this idea then, not just believe that God exists, but to believe God in the Latin, uh, credere uh, Deo, that is to believe that God is trustworthy that his word is to be taken you know as 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 the truth as, yeah. as reality I, I like how you bring out that that was counted to him as righteousness we see kind of the opposite yeah. effect in the father of saint john the baptist where he doesn't yeah. believe that yeah. his wife elizabeth is going to conceive a child that's going to be born and he's struck deaf until he finally yeah. pronounces the name john yeah, and in fact, even if you just take Abraham himself, when the when the three visitors, the the, the reflection of the Trinity, if you will, mm-hmm. come to visit and say you're going to have a kid, and and Sarah laughs, Sarah laughs. This is before his name is changed, and, and Abraham's like, like, yeah, how am I going to have a kid? So even his faith has to grow. He, right, he believes it's counted as righteousness, but then it's it's it's. It, I, I'm describing this as three levels, but we can vacillate in terms of uh, in terms of our own sense of faith. It's not as if we get to the second floor of faith, trusting in God. And then we're there. Right. We just have that perfect trust then. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. I I would think whenever, whenever people talk about struggling with the faith, they're usually not on the first floor. They're usually on the second floor. They're struggling to do what? Not that God exists deep down. They have that sense. But or that knowledge, but it's or that assertion, but they have 
that sense that, can God really be trusted? Is this really the right way? Is, is believing that God exists, does it really make a difference in my life? And it doesn't lead to happiness. Uh, and so there can be doubts at that, if you will, second level. So we, we often vacillate between the first, and we spend a lot of time going up and down the stairs between the first and second floor, sure. knowing, assenting that there is a God, a supreme being, but can we really trust or do we put our trust in ourselves? We see St. Peter, for example, where, where he's walking on the water, right? <laughs> and he's, he's, he's got his eyes focused on Jesus and he's walking, but, he, but then he takes his eyes off, <laughs> right? And he certainly believes that God exists. He certainly still believes Jesus is Lord, but he begins to sink because he begins to see the waves as being a threat to him and not focusing on the Lord. Yeah. So, okay, we've got the first two, uh, those yeah. levels of faith. We've got the belief. Yeah. We've got the trusting. Let's pick up yeah. on this yeah. and talk about the third level in just a moment. Again, talking with Father Michael Hurley here on The Inner Life today, and want to invite you into the conversation with your questions about the theological virtues, uh, maybe how you have been able to live those out in your life, and how you've seen that gift of those virtues of faith and hope and charity or love in your life, you can call in and join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and we'll be back with more. And that third level of faith will get you that answer coming up next here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Thanks for joining us here during this hour of The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app, talking about the theological virtues today, faith, hope, and charity, and inviting you into the conversation. You can call us at 888-914-9149 as we talk today with Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest and pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. Again, the phone number to call in, 888-914-9149. Father, we were talking about three levels that we see in the virtue of faith. The first that you talked about was a mere belief just the knowledge, the belief that there is a God, but not necessarily much beyond that. Then there's that second level where that faith leads us to a true trusting in God, where we will accept, even though we might not see everything he has planned for us, we say, okay, I trust you, I'll I'll, I'll follow your leading. So we've had those first two levels, now we're at the third level. What's that third level of faith? All right, you ready for the penthouse here? We're yes. headed to the penthouse. All right, here we go. So it's a, it's a Latin credere in Deum. We profess it in the creed, that, that sense that uh, there's movement into God. It's belief into God. In other words, it's a kind of, if you will, spiritual gravity that inclines us to know the truth of who God is. For example, or to put it at kind of, um, to look at the scriptures, it's that moment when the person, uh, that, that young man, who comes to Jesus and says, what do I have to do to be saved, right? And the Lord says, well, you keep the commandments. And he's really excited. He's, right, he's like, oh yeah, I've, I've kept all the commandments. I, I love God, I love neighbor, right? You know, I've, I'm, I act in, in, in uh, charitable ways in, in every way. And then Jesus says, come and follow me. That is, 
it's not simply that he believed God exists. He certainly trusted in the covenant, but then Jesus asks him to follow him. In other words, to rearrange his whole life as directed towards him as an end, as the goal. And what does it say? Well, it says there is that impediment of riches. He walked away because he was wealthy and that was became the impediment. In other words, faith, which is believing into God or moves us towards God, is that third stage or that, if you will, that sense of union where all of our life, in other words, is revolves around, is centered in, is directed toward the goal of knowing how God is present in our life and how he makes sense of everything else. In other words, we don't make sense of God in our lives, in a sense. God makes sense of everything else in our lives. Mm. You know, as you're saying, that makes sense. You know, we don't make sense of God. God makes sense. <laughs> I think there's this common idea in our culture that if someone has faith, that negates reason or that negates having an intellect. You just are taking this on faith. You're not really exercising any sort of, uh, you know, mental scrutiny. If you are someone who has faith, if you believe in God, if you have that trust, it's like you're sacrificing your intellect. Uh, but the virtue of faith, it, it, it really has the opposite effect. It's supposed to perfect our intellect, as the Church teaches, directing us, as you're saying, to encountering real truth by knowing God. Can, can you kind of open that up, how it perfects our intellect? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, this is a common—I'm I'm so glad you brought this up, Josh, because most people think there's a, dis, there's a, a divergence between faith and, like, reason, right? That they're, they're, they're opposed. Like, uh, as, I, as I like to tell sometimes, I'll never forget when I, I was talking to some of our, our, our children, our confirmation, and, and I said, what's, what's the difference between faith and reason? And, you know, reason is the ability to think, and faith is going with your gut. <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, you don't really have a reason for it. You're just kind of, there's a, it's just kind of a spiritual instinct or intuition. And certainly in our life, there is something like, you know, Catholic intuition or inspiration, that's fine. But that's not faith. And you, to understand this, you go right back to, always when we have a question, we go right back to the scriptures. In Hebrews, faith is defined as, uh, is sometimes the assurance of things hoped for. It's not really a great def, a, a great translation. The, the, in Greek, the word there, faith is, it's um, upostasis, which is better translated substance. That is, it's the foundation for, it's the basis of reality. So in other words, faith is, if you will, the foundation of all reality, <laughs> of all things hoped for. And then it's the evidence of things not seen. So you got two words, substance and evidence. Well, those are two, if you will, words that connect to reason. We have right. to be very scientific to in the very scientific. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So 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 here's the distinction I like to make. When we think of reasoning as just the ability to think, when you just define it just generally, then faith is a perfection of that reason. If we speak specifically as what we can know by our senses, the process of reasoning, then faith is going to be able to, if you will, ennoble reason or bring it to a place that reason couldn't quite get there because it's outside of our five senses. But Faith is a kind of reasoning, if you define it in terms of just that sense of overall ability of human beings to reflect and to have knowledge beyond simply the material world. And so what does faith do? It perfects our reason by reasoning about things that we have evidence for that are beyond this 
world. So in other words, I would say someone was at, I was outside yesterday and it was windy and our flag, our American flag in front of the church was blowing. And I said, can you see the wind? And they're like, yeah. And I said, well, do you see the wind or do you see the flag moving? And they're like, oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> you can see like the light of it. It's like, yeah, I don't actually see the wind. I see the flag right. blowing. It's the same thing in our life. Faith, we don't see God in that way, but we see those, uh, it's evidence. It's the evidence that we are, is not seen but it's the, it's the ascent of our mind, ascent of our intellect to know that God is present, that he exists, that we should trust. And that in fact, our whole life doesn't make sense without God. God, in fact, makes sense of our lives. Talking with Father Michael Hurley today on The Inner Life. Again, our phone number 888-914-9149 as we're talking about the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. If you have a question about one of the virtues, you're welcome to call in. And before we move on to hope, let's go to Meredith, who's calling in from Chicago. Meredith, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Hi. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Father Michael. Um, My question is this. Must someone um, start with the human virtues before they're able to advance in the theological virtues? Uh, Meredith, that's an excellent question. And the answer is is no, because uh, there's a, a correlation or a synergy between perhaps like what we call like maybe the cardinal virtues or the moral virtues or the intellectual virtues and the theological virtues. But the theological virtues, since they're given by God, are given, and once again, given that foundation right at baptism. So they can be given, you know, obviously right when, right after we're born, <laughs> right after we come into this world, we can be given, if you will, the foundation of those virtues given by God through the sacraments. And that's why we have the sacraments. The sacrament, the main, the sacraments of initiation, their primary purpose is not only, if you will, the remediation of original sin, but the foundation for and the access to that sanctifying grace uh, in which the theological virtues are different aspects of that foundational sanctifying grace. Yeah, great question, Meredith. Thanks for calling in. Uh, Father, let's turn to the virtue of hope here. And this virtue, you know, you even, in referencing that passage from the 11th chapter of Hebrews, that faith is the assurance or the substance of things hoped for. We have hope that is right there mentioned in the same breath as faith. Um, Is there any way that we... It just doesn't seem like you can separate hope and faith when you're talking about these two virtues. Oh yeah, exactly. They're they're correlated, whereas faith uh, is a sharing in God's self-knowledge or the knowledge of that God is and we trust and we are directed to him in every way. Hope is a share in the goodness of God as our final end, but difficult end. In other words, not easy. So uh, hope is simply confidence in the promise that Jesus gives us, confidence in the word of God. And of course, that's, if you will, uh, related to faith, because faith is what ascends to that God is trustworthy. And what do we trust? Well, if you will, hope gives us the content of that. That is that goodness that we are directed to. So, for example, I always like to make this point that the most beautiful promise I know in the scriptures is in that passage of John at the Last Supper where Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. So right there, he's told them that he's going to go away, that he's going to suffer and die. And (laughs) naturally, they are beside themselves with fear, anxiety. Am I the one who's going to betray you, Lord? (laughs) Like, what's going on here? This is not what we expected. We're having a nice Passover dinner. (laughs) And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Have faith. You know, so he's talking about faith there. Believe in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in me. He says, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. And here's where the promise is. 
I go to prepare a place for you. That's the most precious promise in all of the scripture that Christ is by his life, death, and resurrection has achieved for us, if you will, a destiny. He goes to prepare a place for us and he's going to where he goes. He's going to come back and take him to himself so that where he will be, we will be with him. And that's the core of our hope. Our hope is that Lord is preparing a place for us and that for those who believe, we can hope, that is have confidence that he will ultimately take us to that place which was the fulfillment of all desire. You know, the other thing that I remember hearing, uh, kind of uh, tying back to that idea of faith, how it informs and perfects our intellect, um, Mm -hmm. that with hope, this virtue elevates our will. Yeah. And I find this fascinating because... On my own, if I'm left to my own devices, my will is typically going to be selfish, self-serving. I'm looking out for me above all else to make sure I, I have the most or I get the best or you know whatever it is compared to anyone else around me. But by this virtue of hope, by the elevation of my will, I start to then enter into that trust that we were talking about in faith. I start to trust God that he will take care of me, provide for my ultimate good, and then my will, it no longer needs to be self-focused, but rather, if my will is united to God, it becomes his will. He's going to make sure that I have the very best, that I have the ultimate good, which is going to be different than what I originally thought was my ultimate good. Yeah, and and there, you really just just draw that a little bit further. You see the difference between hope and what you might be called just casually or normally optimism, right? So so let me, I'll be real frank with you again this morning, Josh. I am not optimistic for your eternal salvation. (laughs) And I say that, I say that I'm not optimistic for your chances of heaven because, you know, and even I'm not optimistic for my chances in heaven because if we look within, we don't see the kind of strength we need for what? For eternal salvation on our own, right? We're always going to fail. And so there is that correlative virtue, you know, Meredith brought up uh, those those, those virtues which can support those human virtues Mm -hmm. or moral virtues. And here we need the virtue of perseverance, right? <laughs> that overcomes despair because hope as is, is not something that's easily attained. It's simply, it's in fact, precisely defined as something which is out of our control, out of our ability to give ourselves something that can only be reached through struggle, difficulty, chaos in life. Go back to, to Peter in the, in the waves. He says he's walking on the water requires faith, but also he's got to keep going. It's not just a moment, but he's got to persevere in that. And so in terms of opt- hope, it's not just optimism. Like, oh yeah, I can see how that could be possible. No, it's it's a really, um, it's entering into the dark valley that the, that the, um, the that 23rd Psalm, though I walk through the valley of darkness, right? No evil shall I fear, right? Because you're by my side, right? So it's that hope that the promise of Jesus, even if it's leading us into the darkness of life and the the dark valley, that his promises are going to be true. And so we're not optimistic, but we're hope-filled. That is, we're confident, not in our ability, but we're confident in the promise that we're given. Mm -hmm. And because it's given by somebody trustworthy. Yes, exactly. That's uh, so. I want to get into the virtue of charity or love here as yeah. well, because uh, you know the the natural follow up, and we'll get to this, but it's going to be okay. So now that I understand these virtues, how do I then grow in them? So let's uh, we'll, we'll definitely get to that question, but first of all, let's talk about this word that we have 
you know, the virtue of love, the word charity is typically the one used in the church or that we read in the catechism. And we need to have a broader understanding than what we have in our Western society. You know, charity typically is uh, giving to those in need, often monetarily. But um, how, how can we have a better understanding of what charity is, what this love is that we're looking at in these theological virtues? Yeah, so I, the way I would make, describe charity is when we talked about sharing and participation in God himself, that faith was a sharing in God's knowledge. Hope is a sharing in the goodness of God, those promises that we are directed to him as an end. Uh, love or charity is a sharing in the life of God. As St. John describes God, God is love. That is, God is self-gift. God can't not always be giving. He's always, in a sense, giving of himself to others. He is, capital G, gift. And so charity is a participation in the self-gift of God, that we are, in a sense, activated and animated by giving of ourselves the goodness and the blessing that we have received is, in a sense, available and comes forth from us for others. And just like um, faith has different levels, that love has different levels, and this is the highest form of that, just to, to, to get there, is that, is that sense of a union uh, with God, that is that we, it's no longer I, but, but Christ acting in us, that it's God's love in and through us for others, and we are, if you will, the instrument or the means by which God's life is communicated to someone else, that is charity. That charity is the activation of God's life in us for another. Uh, let's continue this conversation in just a moment here, Father, as we look at this third of the theological virtues and what St. Paul calls the greatest of the theological virtues. Again, talking with Father Michael Hurley here on The Inner Life, and how are you living out these virtues of faith and hope and love? And especially, how have you seen yourself grow in these, experience that gift of these virtues in your life, that God has given these to you, and you've been able to then live those out to really grow in your knowledge, grow in your understanding of the goodness of God, to experience God himself in that, uh, that realm of loving God. We'd love to hear how God has worked in your life through these three charities, or maybe you just have a question about one of the theological virtues. You're welcome to call in 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can email us, relevantradio.com. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today we'd like to thank August, who's listening in Minnesota, for donating his Mazda. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, today talking with Father Michael Hurley. He's a Dominican priest, pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco, and today talking about the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, and inviting your calls at 888-914-9149 if you would like to join the conversation. Maybe you have a question about one of the theological virtues or about how you can grow in one of those virtues of faith, of hope, of love. Maybe you feel like you're really lacking in that area, and you're not sure what you can do to kind of 
bolster yourself up, you know, feel like you're lacking in faith or it's a real struggle for you to look and have that hopeful attitude towards the future. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Michael, 888-914-9149. So, Father, we were talking about charity, um, this this uh, greatest of the three theological virtues, and you were talking about God, that he is, because of who he is, he's always giving. You know, that is just who God is because he is love. And I think when we talk about love, so often we have this idea of, yeah, I love somebody and I might try and love them selflessly, but it's hard not to look at I love because of what I get in return. But a perfect love, this virtue that we're talking about, is going to lead us into an area where we don't worry about what we get in return from God, and we're going to want to start loving him in the same way, you know, start loving God merely because he is God. And that seems impossible. It is, of course, on our own. So how do we open ourselves up to this kind of love? How do we allow God to grow this kind of love in us to where we can love God with no thought of what he might do for us? You know, even, even if there was no salvation available, if we didn't have the hope of heaven, if there was none of that out there, if it was just God had created us, but there's no pathway through the the redemption, the redeeming work of Christ, we would still love God just because he's God. And, and that seems such a stretch. Yeah, no, absolutely. It definitely puts us back into that place where, you know, hope versus optimism, faith versus just a kind of kind of just evidence or, or knowing. Uh, charity is not something that we can have on our own. It certainly is given by God. And and it's interesting, St. Catherine asks uh, kind of the same question uh, of Sienna, the great Dominican uh, saint, where she's a little bit, just to kind of, I'll paraphrase, but in her great dialogues, mystical uh, writings that she has with God, she is kind of a little bit um, forlorn because she says, God has loved me. Even before we do anything, God has already loved us, but then we're called to love like God. And he calls it kind of a first love or a love that takes the initiative. How can we love God with the same love that God loves us? Because he's already been there. He's already done it. Like he's, he's always taking the initiative. How can we grow in that love of God? And then she has this kind of flash of inspiration. She says, I can love others especially those who don't love me (laughs) with that same kind of love. They don't love me yet. I don't get anything out of the relationship. I'm not looking for anything out of the relationship. I simply want to love with the generosity that uh, taking the initiative, that first love with which God has loved me. And what happens? We suddenly come in possession of that because when we love those who don't love us, who hate us or are indifferent towards us, we are now loving not just like God, but we are loving with that very love of God in our hearts. And so, and so anytime we want to grow in any of the theological virtues, there's always that sense in which our relationship with others and our relationship uh, with the responsibilities we have in life give us that opportunity, not just to, in a sense, imitate what God has done, but to actually participate in that life of God as he empowers our actions and brings it to a supernatural level. So, for example, just once again, in Hebrews, when they give, when um, the author gives that definition of faith being the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, he then goes down, a, if you will, a whole catalog of the Old Testament talking about how Abraham actually did something, right? So he goes, Abel, you know, offered a sacrifice to God. Enoch 
didn't, uh, you know, in a sense, um, you know, trusted in God. Noah built a boat, right? So in other words, how do you grow in faith? You build a boat when God tells you to build a boat, right? So there's there's practical ways in our relationship with others and the responsibility that we are actually activated by those graces, that those virtues that are within us to not just grow in terms of our own strength, but to grow into the very likeness of God. Well, and as you're talking about this, you know, how can I look at others and enter into that love, share and love with the love that God has for us? And I mean, the very most natural place, I guess, that comes to my mind is God gives every parent, every mother and father the opportunity to do that because a little newborn or even as, you know, your child is growing up, there's nothing you necessarily need from that individual. In fact, everything they need comes from you as that parent. And so there is just kind of a natural way to live out that selfless love. And as you talk about, you know, maybe it's not even that there's somebody who doesn't love me back, but it's somebody who's upset with me or angry with me. And (laughs) there's all kinds of parents out there who have experienced children who are angry and upset with them and yet still love them, don't want anything but the best for their child. Absolutely. And even within the relationship between spouses, husband and wife, right? They, you, if, if you've ever been to a Catholic wedding, I don't have to tell you, the second reading is, you know, eight times out of 10, right? First Corinthians, That's right? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> chapter 13. 13. Yep. <laughs> and that goes, that is, as we all know so well, the be- it's beautiful poetry, but it's some of the most challenging <laughs> texts that St. Paul gives us where he says, what is love? Well, you want to grow in love? Here's what it looks like. It's patient, kind, not jealous, not pompous, not inflated, not rude doesn't seek its own interest. That's really the heart of it there. It doesn't seek its own interests, but it seeks the interest of the others. And so when you're, you know, when you're preaching at a, at a wedding, it's like, here's what real love is. That's that sense of sacrifice, that sense of self-gift. And there's going to be, we all know, in any relationship, and particularly in the intimacy of, of husband and wife, <laughs> there's lots of opportunity, I'll put it that way, <laughs> to grow in all of those, uh, if you will, human virtues. Yeah, well, you know, okay, so that brings up kind of that real core question. We've talked a lot about what these virtues do and what they kind of look like for us. But if I feel like I really am lacking in one of these virtues, if I know that I've got that, you know, as you said, just by virtue of the sacraments of initiation, baptism, and then hopefully confirmation, uh, I have that foundation there of faith and hope and love, but I really feel like I'm lacking in one or more of those areas. Is there anything that I can do kind of on my own to build those up, knowing that I have that foundation of those three virtues? Or is any kind of growth in one of these virtues, is it really limited to what God gives to me? Does it all come down to prayer? Or are there some practical ways that I can kind of exercise and grow in these, in, in these virtues? Absolutely. Yeah. The answer to that is yes, both and. <laughs> in other words, it's both coming from God as the source, but also in cooperation with that. 
it, it expresses its fullest you know, activity. So it's not, we, without God, <laughs> we can do nothing, but with God, nothing is impossible. Mm-hmm. Those things are both equally true. So, so no, the heartbeat is, I think, the sacraments. This is why the Lord has given us uh, the Eucharist, his body and his blood. He has given us commands uh, to, um, to gather and to worship, right? To pray and to seek his guidance to when we, fight, when we fail in this regard <laughs> and to, to accept his, his love and to be faithful and hopeful and loving, to come back to the reconciliation and to ask God for forgiveness, that fresh start that restores those baptismal graces of that, those theological virtues. So the sacraments is always the starting place because it opens, if, 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 the, if, the, uh, if the pipeline is, is clogged, you know, <laughs> there's nothing, nothing can flow through there, right? If, the, if, if, the, if, the, if we got to clean it out and we've got to make sure that the, the flow of grace, the water of grace is, is flowing. And then once we got that water, then we actually have to, as I say, do something. And this is where, you know, I mentioned in Hebrews, the faith talks about actually build, you know, what does faith look like? It means building a boat when it, right, yeah. without clouds, you know, what does love look like when you're, you know, when your spouse is, is just not put out the garbage for the, for the fifth, fifth week in a row. It's, it's, it's being patient and kind and doing it, you know, in other words, it's, it's always seeking the, the needs of the other. And it, it's so counter and, 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 you know, cultural because we think that love or charity is all about the goodness that I receive and not about right yeah why don't you love me instead of asking the question why am I not loving you more sure exactly yeah exactly so so yeah it's 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 really the spiritual life and a sacramental life and then it's like show me the fruits as as, uh, you know faith without works is dead (laughs) you know hope without striving without perseverance is is ineffectual and and love that does not seek the good of the other that's not if you will all those qualities that St. Paul mentions in, in 1 Corinthians 13. If you have, if you say you have love, but aren't patient, kind, you know, uh, not jealous and seeking the, the interests of the other person, if you're not doing those things, well, that's just self-interest. That's yeah. not real love. Yeah. Uh, down to our last couple minutes here, Father, but had a phone caller that couldn't hold on the line asking, if we have somebody that we know, you know, they, they are baptized, they are a Christian, a Catholic, but it's very obvious that they aren't living out one or more of these virtues. Is there anything we can do to kind of help lovingly correct them and get them on the right path? Oh yeah, I just say for, for three things that anytime we're, we're facing someone, uh, someone especially a loved one, that we want the best for them and that involves correction. First thing is we got to pray for them, absolutely. <laughs> the second thing we have to do is we have to, in a sense, be living it in our lives and to have a sense of witness. In other words, people are moved, not necessarily, first of all, but what we say, but first of all, what we do. And then once we have that sense of witness about us, that we, it sees, hey, that person seems happier. That person seems joyful. That person has something that I would want in my life. <laughs> then there's that opportunity to then say, hey, this is, this is, here's the recipe. You like that cake? Here's how, here's how you make that cake, right? You give them the recipe for it. If they're not seeming open to it, you might start with, that sense of is that really working for you <laughs> in a sense and in other words sometimes we 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 have the appearances of life is great, but deep down, we're all searching. There's always something that we want more of. And when we start with that need, in other words, our human needs point us to the reality of who God is. And so often when, when, when people say, you know, I, you know I, I don't really you know, think I need God or need religion, I say, well, what, what, what do you think happiness is? Like, what, what could I give you? What, if I had the power to do it, what would happiness be? 
you begin to see it's gotta be something more than what I naturally assume, and that can be the doorway to the fulfillment of all desire. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Through hope, we cling to him in goodness. Through faith, he gives us that sense of his truth as reality. And through charity, he is that very life, that self-gift for us so that we can bring his blessings to others. Beautiful. Father Michael Hurley, uh, we've got about 10 seconds here before the hour wraps up. Could I ask you for a blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he fill you with his faith, hope, and love. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again. Always good to talk with you, Father Michael. And stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next. That's followed by The Faith Explained. And I hope you can join us tomorrow here on The Inner Life. We're going to talk about how we can pray together as a family. We'll talk with you tomorrow here on Relevant Radio.